The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Well, welcome back to the Quirky Dog Podcast. I'm here with Jess Williams, and um, we're going to talk about... I came up with a question the other day when I came home from a class. I said, Jess, what do you think the most difficult problem is for a dog trainer to fix. And I didn't have an answer. So we're going to unhash it, as I like to say, yes. here today. We're going to unhash that question. But first, for sure. we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. <laughs> All right. The quirky tip of the day is if you think your dog is a heavy breather, and this is a very common thing. Now, obviously, like post exercise and everything else, fine, the dog's panting heavier. If the dog is like in the living room, sitting on the couch, just hanging out, and you seem like, wow, that dog like is always breathing heavily. That is likely anxiety. This is coming up more and more and more often in our clients and dog people like saying like, oh, we always just thought she was a heavy breather. We happen to have a heavy breather in right now. <laughs> He's actually in the parking lot. <laughs> He's one of the heavier breathers. Um, so that is normally a sign of anxiety. Just to let you know, if you're curious, dogs should just kind of at rest all breathe similarly, I would say. Not to be confused with some child predator somewhere around a schoolyard. <laughs> exactly. All right. Now we are going to discuss... I, when you asked me this question, I didn't have an answer. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I said, I, I really, I thought about it. I gave it, like, I was pensive. I gave it probably a minute of thought, and I was thinking. That's an incredible amount of attention <laughs> to get towards a question for, for me. Um, and I, I just, I said, I don't know. What do you think? And then I completely agreed with your answer. So what was your answer? Well, my answer was uh, helping people fix their relationship with their dog. And this is far beyond obedience training. This is how they feel about their dog, how they interact with their dog, because, Quite often, it's that relationship that undermines so much of what we're trying to teach and what they're trying to teach their dog, you know? Yeah, and I completely agreed. I thought that, that was a great answer, and it was like a little riddle that we had going on in the kitchen, it, in the living room, and I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, like these basics, teaching a dog to sit and whatnot, are, they're very simple, and yet people have an incredibly difficult time with these things, and it's not because they don't understand how to teach the dog to sit, it's because of their their relationship with the and dog. I want to give people credit that if your dog is responding differently with you, especially if you're in a training session, like that literally happens. That's not on you. Like, yes, mechanically, you're not as inclined as maybe we are because we've just had more hands-on experience and everything else. And we do this as a profession. So hopefully we're able to make things happen. But we have seen it firsthand ourselves. We say something, we're in the same environment, the owner does the same thing, the dog responds differently to the owner. So that is a relationship thing. And that is really how we started to kind of come up with our free course canine mind shift and how to calm your canine that's in the help link that we always have in front of our set. Like these are the things that we started to implement to help the relationship because obedience alone wasn't helping it. So we actually have a list here today, luckily, because I'm a little low on energy. So we have a list to go off of. And uh, we're going to talk. Do it. You can do it. <laughs> we're going to talk a few of these things through because, like, you know, you may have a relationship problem with your dog. You may not. Someone may say you do. You don't think you do. It doesn't matter. But these are things that we would say are signs that you may have a relationship issue with your dog. And I would say that if you've recently got the dog, if it's a rescue that you've only had in the house for a week or so, 
you may be having a lot of these same issues, but it has probably very little to do with your relationship with the yeah, dog. You don't have, haven't had the dog long enough to have It could have something to do with the previous Pre- yeah. owner's relationship with the dog. And there's always the best news about this whole podcast is even if you do think like, oh, my God, at the end of this, like, this is me. This is an issue. Like, my dog and I are this to a T. There's always ways to improve the relationship. So that's the good news. All right. Start us off. I think sometimes just knowing it, having that awareness, yes. that's half the battle. Yes. What you choose to do with that information, that's totally on you. And, and don't beat yourself up. Nobody's going to be able to fix that for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Let's go through our list. Well, I the like first thing I wrote, I, this is not in any kind of order. These are just things that came to mind that I just jotted down real quick. Uh, but the first one I thought of, or the first one I have written down, is the psychological slash emotional inability to manage your dog on a leash or use a crate. And this is where I'll see people with a dog and the dog is pulling towards another dog, towards a tree to pee, towards anything it wants to do. And the people are going behind the dog as if the dog is so powerful that there's nothing that they can do physically to stop this dog from moving. And sometimes the dog is only about eight or nine pounds. Yeah, that, yeah that's what I was going to mention. Like, and if this is happening, it's often with a guy that's 200 plus pounds, like super ripped and a dog that's like 12 pounds or under. So, you know, they just have this need to think like, oh, the dog wants to go there. I'm going to help the dog go. But the mm-hmm. dog is choosing that. And they actually feel bad, like just holding the end of that six foot leash and limiting the dog's movement. Yeah. And there's a million reasons why they allow it to happen. I hear, well, the dog needs to sniff. The dog needs to do this. The dog needs to do that. And they're just kind of enslaved to this little dog. And the crate, it's a similar thing. Scott was saying this, you know, if we say to someone, use a crate with the dog, and then, you know, maybe it's a four pack, we see the person the next week or 10 days or two weeks from them, and they haven't done it once, like, we're not now going to keep reiterating that and make people feel bad about that or anything else. Like, to each his own, it's everybody's own life. They can take our advice for what it's worth. However, if they hadn't done that even once in, you know, a week to two weeks, that's an indication that there could be an issue there. And Scott mentioned earlier too, like even psychological pressure. I think we were talking about that at home and not so much within the podcast yet, but like people like may perceive like, oh, well, the crate's a bad thing or my mom thinks the crate's a bad thing or whatever. Well, when you let those perceptions take over how you're actually handling your dog and what you're actually doing with your dog, then that could be a sign of a relationship issue. Yeah. Yeah. And we can go on and on about, you know, the crate, but uh, I've run into this, and I, in my mind, what's happening is these are just little boxes that are getting checked as I work with the people week after week. When I see, okay, well, they, they're not comfortable with this, I'm not passing any judgment, but I just have that in the back of my head. Because if all of a sudden there's three or four of these boxes getting checked, then I know that it, no matter how much obedience I do with this person and this dog, those issues are never going to go away. Yeah. They're always going to have these same problems. Which, and they could have 10, 15 trainers there. It's never going to change. Which doesn't mean that we can't necessarily help them, but we need to approach things from a different angle. And similarly, when Scott's checking those boxes, if it's a dog with extreme anxiety and they want us to take that dog and they're not willing to implement a crate on the other end, that's not a boot camp candidate for us like we know that that's part of of the dog's rehabilitation so that's not an option for them all right next one is dog jumps on you when you try to control the leash yeah i've seen this um many times where i will have the dog in for training uh just for basic obedience he'll sit down you know come when called and i can walk this dog and the dog is really really nice on the leash just great manners understands not to pull on the leash and when i give the leash to the person and i tell the person to start walking the dog, the dog immediately tries to stop that person from controlling them by jumping, 
sometimes even starting to nip at their clothing and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff to stop that person from controlling them because that's not the relationship that that dog is accustomed to. Yeah. And I do want to say as a caveat to that, like there are some dogs that that's the go-to to protest with anything, right? So I would say when it's more of a relationship issue, like maybe we have not seen it whenever we hold the leash, especially if we've had the dog for a longer amount of time, and then you see it immediately with the owner. But there are some dogs that may think like, oh, I don't want you to control me. And that's their go-to for jumping and everything else. And that's still a relationship issue. But if it is with everyone, then maybe it has less to do with you and the dog. And it should still be addressed. And I want to give a little tip here that the way that Scott deals with that, um, especially on a return or something for anybody listening who's a trainer, uh, is he'll actually put a long line on the dog. So the owner has the six foot leash and then he has a long line so he can control that interaction a little better. And normally within 30 seconds to three minutes, that long line's off and the owner's walking the dog perfectly. But, you know, if you're just sitting there and trying to make it stop or if the owner's pushing the dog off, that problem can just escalate and escalate and escalate. Yes. So that was another good one. I loved that one. Yeah, I mean, in the, in the very extreme one we have where the gentleman was wearing his winter gloves in the summer because yeah. this dog was biting the crap out of him. Yeah. And, and it, it was it's a, a real retriever. thing. Like it's it was like that, the, it wasn't the sweetest a joke. dog. You, no, you know? no, but that anxiety, it became yeah. that serious. And he really, he like went out with oven mitts almost. It was crazy. Um, yeah. The next one here I had was uh, extreme leash reactivity, but uh, towards other dogs and animals on the street. And yet the dog can go to daycare, has no trouble with dogs uh, off leash with the daycare. But when it's with the owner, it's wanting to kill. It appears as though it wants to kill everything and yeah. keep people or and dogs away from its owner. Yeah. And then a lot of people say, oh, but the dog can go to the dog park, go to daycare and it's fine. And I'll take that one even a step farther and say, like, we've been in a situation where the same dog, the same group of people are standing in the same kitchen, our kitchen, and we can hold a leash and nothing happens. And just by handing that leash to the owner, they don't even have to do anything with the leash. The dog could just blow up because a different person is holding the leash. And, and again, in that, and as far as another dog being in proximity and all of a sudden the dog is now reactive. Yeah, to like keep that dog away from my owner. Like same yeah. conditions, same four people standing there, same three dogs in the kitchen, same situation. It's just someone has a six foot leash versus another person. So, and it, again, like if any of this is like popping up and you're like, oh my God, that's happening with me. Don't sweat it. That's not a big deal. But realize that there are maybe some little intricacies that you can fix within your relationship to help the overall picture and not just behavior. The next one we have is uh, feeling guilty or feeling that you're being mean for implementing some basic rules. This is kind of like a good uh, child parenting one, too. Kids are, yeah, kids are way harder than dogs, I'll tell you. <laughs> dogs are pretty, pretty straightforward. All right. So... This kind of goes with people that may not want to crate or control their dogs on a leash or anything else. But this is one like, you know, we say put the dog on the bed for 45 minutes. That is so the dog can like fully decompress. If you're always just using the bed as like a, oh, five minutes here when someone walks in or 10 minutes here while I bring in the groceries, the dog is never really settling into that exercise, right? And some people will literally say like, oh, I feel bad for the dog. Or the dog is like actually resting, like fully laying down head down, like resting. Like you can see it is like fully in like a de-stress mode and people are like, oh, but he doesn't look happy. Like that kind of thing, that could be more of a relationship thing. If the dog's just tired, that's okay. That could be a good thing for the whole house. I have another example. Okay. Getting the dog out to go potty in the morning and uh, the people are rush, rush, rush and the dog is dragging them out the door and they're thinking the dog has to pee. I got to get out there. The dog, if the dog has been able to hold it all that's night true. long, this is a it one. can hold it for an extra two minutes while you make the dog sit at the door, you calmly open the door, and there's some rules there. You don't yeah. just blast out the front door. Yeah. 
And that is and you're a, feeling bad about the dog because you're thinking, oh, oh it's bladder. He's got to go. And even worse, like three quarters of the people that feel like that, it still takes the dog then ten minutes to go to the bathroom outside once they get outside. Yeah, the run around circles out there, perfect spot, and everything else. All right, we're gonna go to break super quick. And again, this commercial coming up is our free course, and it is one of our relationship helpers. And when we get back, we're gonna go through the rest of our list. Does your dog lack self-control? Are you looking for some answers? Would you like your dog to be calmer? Does your dog lack confidence? Canine MindShift. Enroll in a free course today. Simply go to caninemindshift.com. That's caninemindshift.com. All right. If you skip through commercial for some reason and you're back, here we are. We're back and we are talking about signs of a relationship problem that you may have with your dog. And we are now on uh, the fifth one that you came up with. The fifth thing I came up with is, is that people may be unwilling or emotionally unable to leave their dog overnight with friends, family, or even a dog professional or a kennel so that they can go away for a vacation or some business trip, but they're just uh, too concerned about yeah. their dog emotionally to leave the dog with that anybody. Is, that is a good one. And honestly, we, we say this, and we do this with our own dogs, especially like getting them away, especially that first year for a long weekend or five days somewhere that you trust is good for the dog, just the same way that it's good for the kids to go to summer camp and everything else. It's a good thing to consider. And I'll even take this one a step farther and say, some clients that we see, and this has not happened that recently, so maybe no one listens that has done this before, but some clients that we see actually have never left the house before. Like, like the dog has never been left alone its whole life. Like there's always someone home. And I would tie that into the relationship issue too. And we talked about the big house fire a few episodes ago, months ago with platinum border collies. And, you know, it was tragic and a lot of things came up online. What I was really surprised about is how many people said that they never leave their dogs home, which I get that like it's scary and things can happen and everything else and the nest systems can fail and stuff. But like, I would say that I saw at least half a dozen to a dozen to maybe two dozen people saying I've never left my dog at home. Whenever I leave, the dog leaves with me, which I thought was kind of extreme too. But well, I think to um, each his own. I, out of all of this list, that's probably the one that I identify with the most. Not leaving your dog. I don't, I'm not leaving my dog with my family or friends well, <laughs> for damn sure. But a dog professional, you would. A dog professional, yeah, you would. And, but I, I'm not, I don't like to, but yeah. uh, you know, that's the biggest problem with the vacation is where are the dogs going to stay? Are they going to be, and I don't care if they're happy or not, that's not my issue. Yeah. I want them to be safe and I don't want them to get into some situations where they are going to come back less emotionally stable than when they yeah, left. I yeah. don't want them to come back fearful we of people, want, places, yeah, things, other dogs. I just want them to be yeah. in a place where they're safe and then get home in one piece. And they're stabilized. Yeah. And you can even take that a step farther. Your dad would say, this is a relationship issue for me. I don't want to go away for more than a week to 10 days. Like 10 days is my oh, absolute max. Yeah. Like I was away for two weeks, one time in St. John. And I'm like, I don't freaking want to be in St. John without my dogs for this long. So you can call that a relationship issue with me. But and last time I we went, I took my dog. So there, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, mean, I don't like leaving my dogs with a bunch of you know people that don't know my dog. Because he's, he's more intelligent than most people I know. Oh my God, and he's going to have go. a problem dealing with them. Scott really loves his dogs. Okay, next one. A, a preoccupation with your dog's needs. For example, making sure they have toys, the fluffy pillows and beds. 
They go to a daycare. They have play dates with all the yep. dogs every Tuesday and Wednesday. They walk down to this dog's house and have a play date there. It's a little bit nutty. Yeah. It's a little bit nutty. And the problem is um, if you feel that way, it's just not a healthy – your dog doesn't need that much attention, first of all. And giving the dog that much attention uh, is not emotionally healthy for the dog, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, doting on them that much and them knowing that you're at their beck and call all day. And this is a thing. Like, there are some stay-at-home moms. The kids are at school and stuff. And, like, the dog all day, like, well, you become getting just them the- – you're just their driver. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you are. It's like you drive them to daycare, you yeah. take them to this one, and they don't give a crap about you. Yeah. And you're doing everything. Yeah. Why doesn't the dog like yeah. me? Because the dog doesn't get anything from you. The dog is getting all of its rewarding experiences from these external things that you keep driving around, giving them, and all this crap, you know? Yeah, and I do want to mention with that, because a lot of people say, well, if the dog doesn't go to daycare, like, or he doesn't go to the dog park, he's just not tired enough at the end of the day. And we are the first ones to say that a structured 10-minute walk or structured nose work session or structured treadmill session or anything else is way better than hours of running and play. And Scott wrote a great article on this. It was a blog post called You Can't Outrun Crazy. And it's true. Like Everybody's like, oh, exercise the dog, exercise the dog, exercise the dog. After a while, you have a crazy dog with great endurance. So be careful of exercising a dog that has a lot of energy and it seems to have an endless outlet. All right. Do we cover preoccupation with we the We did. Needs? That's just... Uh, okay. All right. Food issues. So this is another need that you may have a preoccupation with, but it needed its own category. We thought its own line item. Yeah. And there's a, you could be either overfeeding your dog. So your dog is like a, a friggin' little pig, just plump, plump as you can be, or um, very picky eater. Mm-hmm. And you're always peppering the food with chicken and pieces of, you know, a lot of human food to get the dog to eat. And um, that's a relationship issue. You know, dogs typically, a healthy dog will eat when food is offered and they will eat when they're hungry. And when they're not hungry, they won't eat. So what happens is when dogs are overfed, uh, a somewhat more emotionally healthy dog will just not eat. So then they start adding all of these additives and then they'll eat it because just like I say about me, if I'm not hungry for dinner, it doesn't mean I don't want a piece of cheesecake. With cherries on it. I mean, not he loves a, not his a dinners. problem. I'm a very good cook. I could have a piece of apple pie with ice cream, but not really big on dinner that night, you know? So if they're not hungry, it's better to let them pass on a meal and not eat, you know? A hundred percent. And and if that happens a couple of days, then, then people or a, a freak couple, out. But if it happens for a couple of meals, then you might also know like this isn't normal behavior. Like if our dogs didn't eat a meal, we'd be like, yo, like big issue. Like any of our dogs didn't eat any meal. Like within a minute, we would be concerned. And so we have a dog in right now. And uh, this is not to throw the owners under the bus, but they were giving this dog, a beautiful German shepherd, eight cups of food a day. Dog was not a good eater. Yeah. And uh, amazingly enough, the dog couldn't barely get eight cups of food into him per day. And the dog's body condition wasn't great. So yeah, we changed so the kibble and the, now the, the dog quantity is, and all that. Now the dog eats every time and food is offered yeah. and happy. And the other reason that we thought this would be a separate item is it's not necessarily always your dog's need to eat. Like sometimes we have kind of like food is love, you know, like an Italian grandmother or this kind of thing. Like sometimes we have this thought process of like, oh, but like this is his favorite cookie. The dog could literally like be napping on the couch and people like go and like put it under their nose and they just get happy seeing the dog, you know, enjoy a cookie and waking up from that. So sometimes the dog is eating when it's not even asking to be fed just because of what it does for the owner. And this frequently happens with dogs with anxiety. And I'm not trying to say like, if your dog's fat, your dog's super anxious, but like you will see dogs that seem to have absolutely no stopping point if eating, like if you free fed them, they would probably just eat like 
most of the day until they bloated or puked, like those dogs are normally a little bit more anxious than dogs that eat, you know, scheduled regular meals. Yeah. And if you're hand feeding the dog, if you're reduced to either, here's another thing. If you need to stand next to your dog's bowl to get the dog to eat, and if you leave the bowl, the dog doesn't eat, there's, there's an issue there. It's a yeah. relationship issue. It's not healthy. I yeah. mean, of course you could never go away overnight or for a weekend because you know the dog would not eat the whole time, yeah. which would drive you crazy. You'd be upset thinking about it. But these are something, some things you should work through. Yeah. You know? And these are things that we see And a I lot saw that. It was frequently. like, it was a TikTok or something where the guy, they put the food down and the, the boyfriend stood right next to the bowl and the girlfriend stood about 10 feet behind and the, do- and the dog wouldn't eat and the, do- and the boyfriend would say, come on, eat. And then the dog would take a little bit and then he would look over his shoulder at the girlfriend and the girlfriend would say, eat. And then he would eat a little bit more. And every <laughs> night, that was the routine. Both of them like browbeat this dog into eating. It was so crazy, you know? And they and, thought it was funny because that's the only way the dog would eat. But we see this time and time again. So little relationship thing there if you don't have a consistent feeding schedule with dogs. And I get that some dogs are hard to keep weight on and some dogs have an insatiable appetite and everything else. But these like really extreme cases and it happening time and time and time again, be thoughtful of that. Okay. Um, inability to get your dog's attention. I liked this one. Yeah. This is, again, you take the dog out on a leash. It's a, you know, it's all, it's a pain in the ass in the house. It's demanding of your attention in the house, which that, is a different yeah, list. A but one. then you take the same dog outside. He's at the end of the leash pulling at everything and could care less about you. You're yeah. like, it's, you're not even in the dog's world. All you're doing yeah, is Scott, holding this dog back. Scott wrote the, the phrase, dog's focus is almost intentionally away from you. And I did like that. And this is a thing. Like, this happens. I don't know if it's happened as much uh, before the past decade. But over the last decade, it is increasingly more common to see a dog that is on a leash. And when I think of this, I think of like a setter, like a hunting dog normally. It can happen with any breed. But like a dog that just looks like, oh, my God, I don't know where to go. Shiny object syndrome. Like everywhere, right? Like just like processing the world faster than it can actually input it. And those dogs are... Are you talking about me now? (laughs) You're getting better. Maine is helping you. But those dogs are really like not super stable. And then even worse, what sometimes happens is Scott on an eval will take the leash and that dog is like Johnny on the spot within 30 seconds to a minute. And this like goes back to the podcast. We talked about the sit podcast where dogs can't even hold a sit anymore. And that's a sign of anxiety. Like all these little ticks are a thing. So if it's happening when you're holding the leash and then when you hand the leash to a professional or maybe even another member of the family and it doesn't happen as much, that is something that you could explore and maybe delve into a little deeper. Yeah. I think so. That's why we were talking about it. (laughs) All right. You kind of killed the uh, surprise factor on this one. But the next one was dog demands your attention when busy. And frequently, like Scott said, these are the same dogs that when they're out of the house, they're like, but here, but here, but here, northwest, south, like crazy. And then when you're in the house, they're either following you around. If you're not paying attention to the dog... They're like, hey, bitch. Yeah, let's go. Don't forget about me. I'm hungry now. Now that I never eat. Now I'm hungry. You pick up the phone. You get on the phone. You could even fake a phone call, right? Like you could even fake giving your attention to something else. The dog starts barking like constantly. Like, and the dog knows that now you're splitting your attention and maybe you'll like placate it by giving it something to eat or a chew or something. These are the things that when they start to all be combined, you need to take a step back and say like, huh, like maybe something isn't going quite right here. Um, and preparing meals is a good one. If you're taking care of the kids, if the dog like is constantly going 
to you for attention during these times, or even just asking for attention on the couch, like constantly, like, hey, I want to get pet. Hey, I want to get pet. Our dogs do that too. And then we'll say, okay, go lay down or throwing a toy on you. We'll say, okay, go play by yourself. Like that's all fine and good until we say it's not. And if you can't get out of that situation yourself, then our dogs are removed from the situation. All of our dogs know we can do love all day long until we say that's enough. And then we're done. We can play all day long until I don't want to, and then go play by yourself. Yeah. And then a good example, you know, and of course it's not good that I when I wake up in the morning, I tend to get on my phone, which drives this little pet peeve of uh, working, the wife. We're working through that one. But my dog, Jimmy, if he, you know, he sleeps at the foot of the bed, and I'll get, go get a cup of coffee, get in bed, and have some coffee and look at my phone. He will just lay there like he's asleep. As soon as I put the phone down and he knows I've checked, then he comes over and gets some love. He knows if the, when I pick up the phone, it's, he's not going to bother it's literally me. literally Scott's favorite part of the day. When I put the phone day. down, then he comes over and gives me <laughs> some attention. It's funny. <laughs> but you want your dogs to kind of tune in with you about that. The counter to that would be, oh my God, dad's awake. Like, I don't want him on his phone. I don't want him drinking coffee. Sarge used to drink your coffee with you. That, yeah. was, that was maybe a relationship issue. Very okay. endearing. <laughs> <laughs> he liked coffee, my pie. All right. We got three more. Dog destroys your personal property. You have dogs that are going in your laundry. Pulling out your underwear, things like that, tearing apart your the, your bedding, and you know, yeah, like or eating those types of things. That yeah. could be a sign. That could be anxiety or a sign of a relationship issue. I will say, and um, well, this kind of let's tie these together because dogs pee, dog pees on your bed or belongings. I mean, th- if they pee, they're not necessarily destroying it, but they're still like defacing they're, they're, property, they're marking it. Yeah, and um, if the thing is. If they have act, the reason I say it's a relationship thing is there's other people's clothing there in the house also. Yeah, the dog that's isn't true. going and peeing on the kids' clothes necessarily. The dog's peeing on your clothes. That's true. But I want to tie that into um, like the bedding issue because this happens a lot of times, like sometimes with a couch or a bed or even a specific pillow. If this is happening and you only own one dog, it's likely a relationship issue. If this is happening and there's other dogs in the house or there's other energy also happening often, it could be an issue with the dog. And the reason I say that is like we have dogs that if there's like a weak female or a female going into heat, maybe they would mark once in a blue moon on something like that. So maybe I don't sit there yeah. and say, oh my God, I have to totally like rehash this whole relationship thing with my dog. What's going on? Sometimes if that's happening and there's a lot of other animals in the house or hormonal changes or something else, maybe that's why. And I would say that all of these things could be one-offs. That yeah, They have of nothing to do. Yeah. Like, but when, when the dog barks at you and you immediately think, oh, the dog must need to go out and pee, and you're running, putting the leash on, bringing the dog out, yeah. and the dog's just jumping and jumping on you and being a friggin' idiot, and yeah. you do that every single day. Yeah. That's or a not- dog that like gets up in the middle of the night and wants to play at 2 a.m. A lot of people right. like deal with that kind of thing. And that's like a, a real thing that happens. That was, we had a dog like that. It was referenced in that article I talked about. You cannot run crazy. Like that's a thing. It just becomes like there's not enough time in the day to keep the dog going because now the dog has more endurance and everything else. All right. Our last, but not our least. And this is probably the biggest one that I run into. The dog acts aggressively toward you, but not other people. And that is definitely a relationship issue. Yeah. If um, I mean, there's a lot of dogs that I, I go to people's homes because of aggression issues. This dog is biting the owner, and uh, I can work with that dog, and it's like the dog is great. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing. There's no aggressive tendencies at all. I can do anything with the dog. I'm not being mean to the dog. I'm just giving the dog direction. We establish a relationship, again, which is what the topic is about, and the dog doesn't even consider 
the aggressive behavior. And I'm not talking about getting into nail clipping. But even nail clipping, to a certain extent, is it's all a relationship yeah. issue where the dog has learned, back, I have to tolerate I have to tolerate getting my nails clipped. I don't like it, but it's just part of life. Just like a kid has to learn how to brush his teeth. He may not like it. He's got to do it every day. You know, yep. She has to do it every day. So the aggression towards, and that, again, that's what this whole thing was about when I said, you know, what the hardest thing, what's the hardest thing to fix? Because, I mean, we have a dog, I have a dog right now, a client that the dog has very good obedience. The dog can be off leash. Dog can stay on a bed. The dog can do all this stuff. But they're having some relationship problems where the dog is showing aggression yeah. towards the people. And it sucks because yeah. the dog is good. And I just hate to see that dog have anything bad happen to that dog, you know? We're and it's not, just like, and we're going to make it happen for the dog. We, we're committed to yeah, that situation. Yeah, no, I know. And this is happening... It happens a lot, This is happening stuff. a lot for us more so, um, especially now that it's just Scott and I. And literally, like, we've been doing the Scott and Jess show for going on four years now. Like, it's funny. Like, I, I think of this, and, like, I have not had an employee... Which show is that? ...that I have not had any girls or anything working with us to help. Mm. Um, so, like, this spring, it will officially have been four years that... Like no one else has been involved besides Scott and I. And especially since we've gotten like to Maine and moved a little bit farther north, sometimes we see a lot of differences if we have a dog in that the dog is different with me or with Scott. And that's like day one. That has yeah. nothing to do with who we are as people, but you can get a little more intel into like, oh, this is the dynamic of the family maybe, right? Or like Scott walks in the kitchen, dog freaking loses its mind because maybe his relationship with the man at home is a little bit different. So we can even see little intricacies there if it's not even about aggression. But when the dogs are dealing with us differently, when we're like pretty steady at this point, like every dog we touch, we're conscientious of, but like we're not allowing a lot of our own shit to go to these other dogs because they need stability from us. Like that's why they come to us. So when it's a level playing field and then there's a huge difference in compliance or, you know, whatever behavior, anything between Scott holding the leash or me, that is a good indicator. And we'll tell clients, we'll say straight up, like, I think it's a little more of like a mana imana thing if you want. And like, you need to work through that, you know? So, and, and that's, they like that. They appreciate that, but we are seeing that more and more and more. So then maybe it just becomes a relationship thing with the woman versus a relationship thing with the man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Latina, Latino. <laughs> you know, I was um, thinking that thing about the, the dogs and you and I, and quite often the dogs do like me more and they don't like you. And it, no, seriously, but here's the reason why. I've, really, I've had like a really hard morning. I've had no, like no, no. terrible allergies. It's, a, it's, not, a, it's, not, a, really... it's not a negative thing. I take the dog and I go and actively do obedience training. So they're learning, they're working with me, they're outdoors, we're doing all kinds of stuff. And it's not necessarily, it's not a bad experience for the dog. They like well, to how learn. How is it how, a bad experience with me? Where because, are we going? Because you're the one that enforces all the rules in the house. Yeah, you're I, the one that they tells need to the dog. I, take, gonna, I make sure they listen now. Exactly, that's but that's what I mean. Yeah. You, the day-to-day -day mundane yeah. stuff yeah. you have to deal with. And but, they learn the biggest lessons from Jess. But they come like, and they stay the quiet up. and they eat yeah. with Jess. And they have so to whatever. eat. And, and Jess just, is the one taking the food away if they don't eat. It's just not a big cookie party like it is with Scott. With me, it's more of a cookie party. And it is. So then they're like, oh, I can't wait till Scott comes. We're going to do some obedience because Jess is a pain in the ass. We're going to get to work. All right, guys, this is where we came from. Um, this is what uh, this was a thing that came up this week. It is a topic that is fresh and 
it's something that we are seeing more and more and more often. And again, if you identified with anything within this podcast, it doesn't have to make you be like, oh my God, oh, I need to go the, journal not, not for six hours. It's no, not unfixable. It's almost sure. more fixable. And like yeah. Scott said to start, when you identify the problem, that is the first step. So identify the problem. And uh, trust me, we get relationship stuff going on with our own dogs all the time. We'll say left and right, like, oh, you got to fix that over I there really, with Scott. I think that our relationship is oh, about as no. ideal as it could possibly be. As far be. as the human relationships in the house, it's just perfect. Our dogs just run for the hills <laughs> when they see us getting into it. Oh, my all God. Right. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. In the meantime, keep, keep it, it quirky. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.